Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. Well, what we've been doing in our Sunday morning services is doing a study that's entitled Life. Hopefully you got the notes and uh, you can kind of follow along with what we're doing. But last week in this study, we saw something about fear. Um, Fear we saw produces folly or foolishness, but also fear promotes falsehood. Uh, So when we operate in our lives with an improper fear, uh, then we see that deceitful thoughts, foolish thoughts, foolish decisions, deceitful decisions begin to surface and come out and even uh, find prevalence in our lives. And and one of the things I shared was that improper fear uh, is that that element of fear that uh, brings about those things. But there's a proper fear. There's a good fear. There's a healthy fear. And that is an absolute reference or an absolute regard for Almighty God. It's this fear that promotes, the Bible says, wisdom, and it also helps us uh, to make sure and stay sincere in our lives towards the Lord. And so this morning, we're going to move forward and see a couple other points. Hopefully, it'll be an encouragement and help to you. I know it's been a challenge and encouragement to me as well. Uh, And so I want to pray, and we'll do that. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Again, we thank you for uh, being our rock. Thank you so much for being Uh, the one that we can stand on, that we can run to, that we can uh, call on in our times of need. And uh, Lord, we're thankful that um, you're so good to us. Thank you for our freedom that we get to be here this morning uh, to worship you freely. Thank you for your word that you've preserved for us, that we can uh, dig into as a body and and be encouraged and strengthened and even convicted if necessary. And God, that's what I pray this morning, that you would have your will in each of our lives, that we would be ready to receive your word, that we wouldn't just be here Um, to be entertained, that we wouldn't be here uh, for um, any other reason or person other than you, uh, God, because you're the only one that's worthy of our worship and our praise. And so, God, we pray that you move now. Use me as a simple vessel, again, that you would get all the praise from this, Lord, that this message would go out and accomplish what you want. Lord, again, if there's someone here that's lost, they've never been saved, they've never surrendered their life to you, they've never maybe realized uh, the love that you've shown to them, in in coming to this earth, dying on the cross for our sins, being the payment for our sins uh, that we deserve. Lord, rising again and giving life, eternal life to all who believe. If there's someone here that has never given their life, the control of their life over to you because of that truth, that gospel, I pray you'd move them this morning and they would do that. And we praise you for this and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just to kind of bring some of you up to speed and be a reminder for those of you who were here last week, if you remember, Laban has caught up to his son-in-law, caught up to his daughters. They're running in fear away from Laban, running back to Jacob's homeland. And Laban caught up to him, and he's now searched everyone's tent, and he has not found the stolen idols that he knew were stolen from him. Now, he didn't know who stole them. He didn't know where they were again, searching everyone's uh, tents and and coming up empty. Uh, He didn't realize that Rachel, his daughter, had hidden those idols underneath underneath her camel's uh, sack that she was sitting on. Now, she kept her father from looking for those idols, as you were here last week, you know this, uh, because she excused herself for not getting up from that camel because it was that time of month for her as a woman. Now, that is maybe interesting, but again, I thought it was so uh, amazing that she was 
doing that as a, as a way to deceive or keep it concealed from her father, uh, but it also, in the process, uh, desecrated those idols based on Leviticus chapter 15, verse 20. Uh, she had made those unclean, which is another interesting thing. The question two weeks ago that I asked, is it really a God if it can be stolen? You know, again, she goes into her father's house and grabs these idols and runs away. He's upset because that's what he had placed his confidence in, which was such an ironic thing. He had placed his confidence in God's little G's that could be stolen. And now here she is sitting on those same idols, desecrating them according to the law that were already defiled and desecrated and impure in themselves because they were false gods, false idols. And so again, uh, this search that Laban had over all of uh, Jacob's possessions and his, and, and his people was fruitless. And so this morning we're going to see the result or the, the, the following conversation of his frantic and fruitless um, search for these, these idols. And I, and I want to see what, what happens in this. So in Genesis chapter 31, we see in verse 36 where we pick up, And Jacob was wroth, and he chode with Laban. How many people in here chowed? Have ever chowed? I, I, oh, I chewed my food this morning. That's not always It's not talking about chowed and chewed, not talking about eating at all. Um, this is an interesting word. Uh, it means that he was a little bit upset with Laban. He was a little bit uh, mad at his father-in-law coming in, going through all their stuff, going through all this. And this word actually, this word chowed actually means berated him. So what Jacob did is what maybe some uh, son-in-laws in here would love to do with your father-in-law. He wore his father-in-law out. <laughs> See, some, some people would like to do that. <laughs> if I could, if I could just, <laughs> if I could just tell him what, how I felt and just, you know, what, what I think and all this kind of stuff. This is, this is what Jacob, Jacob had the perfect opportunity, right? He, 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 he sees his father-in-law, and Jacob is oblivious. The Bible already told us that he had no idea that, that Rachel had taken these idols. And so I can, I can see Jacob standing back, maybe with his arm on his camel or whatever, just kind of sitting there watching his father-in-law, and every tent that he goes into and he comes out without the idols, just getting a little more self-righteous and uh, you know, vindictive in his heart and in his mind. He's thinking... That's right. You've done me wrong all these years. Just keep searching, old man. Keep searching. And you know, you know there, you're going to come up empty, and I'm going to let you have it. Again, maybe Jacob's going through this, this idea in his mind, and when it comes out like this, he's like, yes! You know, I, here we go. But uh, I also think this is interesting because the one that was the accuser, Laban, accusing him of stealing his stuff, is now the one that's being accused. Let's remember that both of these men were in the wrong. Both of these men were not right in God's sight. Both were operating in a measure of fear, not in healthy fear of God, but in fear of the other, or fear of losing something, or fear, uh, 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 improper fear in their life. So therefore, they both were operating in foolishness. So when you look at the decisions they're making and the interactions that they have with each other and others, they're acting foolishly. Remember? Jacob had no idea. He didn't have this knowledge that his wife, his beloved Rachel, had stolen these idols. And so he was, he was afraid, and he's seen this opportunity to, to, to ream out his father-in-law. But that was a foolish act because Rachel had stolen the gods. She had stolen those little, little idols. 
Again, this is what happens when we operate in fear. Foolishness comes to the surface. Foolishness decisions begin to flow out of our lives. And Jacob begins to lay into Laban based off of limited information. He lays into his father-in-law based off of limited information or incomplete information. And the interesting thing is that Jacob, in his beratement of Laban, had forgotten God's graciousness that he showed to him. Right? He begins to, at the moment that, that Laban comes up empty-handed and comes out and he's, he's got his tail between his legs, like, I just knew that you guys, I was told that, that, that y'all stole my idols. I, I was to, told that you stole my idols. I just knew that. And he comes out, you, you just know that, that Jacob was like, here we go. I, I am finally going to let this man have what he has coming to him, what he deserves to have in his life. While forgetting what Jacob actually deserved in his life. He forgot that. He forgot that, that, that he had really messed up with God. He had really not trusted in God, really not had the right kind of fear. But he gets on his high horse. He gets on his soul. He begins to, to tear into his father-in-law with a, with, a, with a lack of grace, with a lack of mercy that God had shown him in his life. And before we go and look at that a little bit more, I, I want to look back in our text and, and see exactly what happens. The rest of that verse, it says, And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What's my trespass? What's my sin that you have so hotly pursued after me? What is it that I've done, Dad? You know, you, 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 you've come after me. You've accused me. You, you've pursued me. I mean, you and you, all your brothers, you, you come and surround us like we're an enemy. And you come in and you just search through all of our stuff. What have I done to you? You found nothing in all of my household stuff. He said, set it here before my brethren and thy brethren that they may judge between us both. If you found anything, put it out here. He's being a little arrogant, being a little cocky here with his, with his father-in-law because he knew he didn't find anything. And here he goes. Remember we, a few weeks ago we talked about how bitterness can ruin us, it can, it can control us. We get resentful, we get bitter, and we hang on to these things, and it controls our lives, it can destroy our lives. Jacob obviously had held on to what his father-in-law had done to him. You know, it's an interesting thing too, we were talking about this in the new members class because one of the things that we ask about ask of our members is if you are a member of this church we want you to handle things biblically we want you to handle things with other members biblically and so somebody is probably at some point in time going to get their feelings hurt somebody's probably going to be offended somebody's probably going to get upset somebody's going to let you down why because we are an imperfect church there's no perfect church out there we're all in the process of being sanctified we're all in the process of trying to become more like christ and so in that because we're people and because we're close and because we're wanting to be closer to each other Chances are that you're going to be let down or you're going to come across somebody who has been let down, upset, or whatever. What we ask is to say, not get in a fight with them, but to say, hey, if you've got an issue with somebody, I encourage you to go work that out with them. Don't tell me about it, who has nothing to do with it, but go to that person and let them know so that it can be made right. That's biblical. Jacob hadn't done that with his father-in-law. 20 years. 20 years go by. And he is getting more and more bitter, more and more upset, more and more frustrated. And in this moment where he is like, aha, he lays into his father-in-law with 20 years of bitterness and frustration. Look what he says in verse 38. This 20 years have I been with thee, thy ewes and thy she-goats. 
have not cast their young, and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. Listen, I've not taken advantage of, of situations that I could have really taken advantage of. I've done you right. I've, done, I've, I've, I've washed your flocks, and, and, and if there's anything that's lost, what he said in verse 39, that which the, was torn of beast, I brought not unto thee. I didn't say, look, uh, this, this is what you've lost. I haven't done that. I bear the loss of it, he said. I took it as my own loss of my hand, didst thou require it whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus, thus I was in the day the drought consumed me. I was out there watching the flock, serving you, working for you, working all these years. And I was the one out there without any water, suffering through the heat, the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been 20 years in thy house. I have served thee 14 years for thy two daughters and then six years for your cattle. And thou hast changed my wages 10 different times. Jacob seems a little bitter, <laughs> a little upset about how his father-in-law has treated him, a little angry. And look what he says in verse 42, except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, the fear that Isaac had of, of God had been with me, surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. Now I think there's, there's two things that we, I think we can learn from this here among many other things. Again, Jacob obviously was bitter. He, I mean, we don't have to read a whole lot into this and see that Jacob was bitter. Now, was it fair for Jacob to feel as though he had done enough? Was, was Jacob in a place where he said, look, I think I have done enough for you just to let me go in peace? I mean, 20 years, think about it. I would say maybe. I mean, 20 years for two daughters and, 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 and a flock of, of cattle. I mean, is this enough? Many of us would say, sure, and 20 years is a long time to work for that. So maybe he had done enough. Regardless of that, he lays into Laban for Laban's relentless and selfish approach to things. That's what had bothered Jacob so much. I think if the relationship were different, maybe, maybe he would have left differently. Maybe he wouldn't have laid into his father-in-law like, father like this. But because of the way that Laban was and the way that Laban approached things with Jacob, I believe this is one of the reasons why he was there. But I want to ask you this. Remember what wasn't known at this point in time? Remember what Jacob didn't know? Jacob had no clue that Rachel had actually stolen the idols. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation to where uh, maybe you feel like you're justified or maybe you feel like you, you have all the, the right information and, and, and you go to that person and you just... Tell them how they are wrong and how you're right. Only to find out you're missing a piece of information. You don't have to raise your hand. I mean, that's, that's humiliating enough for us to experience that ourselves, let alone to admit it in the church. But um, I, I think all of us at some point in time, whether, it's, whether we were rude or so, I don't really get rude with people. I don't really talk to people ugly. I don't do anything. Maybe you, you don't do any of that. Um, but I think at some point in time, we can, we can rush to judgment and, and treat people, whether we talk to them a certain way or we can treat them a certain way based off of limited information, right? We think we have all the information we need to treat them ugly. We think we have all the information we need, we need to, to tell them how, how they're wrong and how we're right. We, we think that we have all the information we need to stand on our, our soapbox, our, our seat of judgment, and say, you are wrong and you are bad because of this. And again, most of the time we're, we're missing information, sometimes a little bits, sometimes a lot bits. 
You can write that down. <laughs> Little bits, lot bits. But this lack of knowledge and this wrong heart provided for this full, vengeful attack of words. You know, we've talked about this before. It's out there. It's done. They, it, it's been accomplished. Jacob has, has already reamed out his father-in-law now. Now I want to ask us this question. Did Jacob have, did he have to? Did he have to say anything to reveal what was in his heart? Did, did he have to say it? I would say, my, my thought is, based off of, uh, of the relationship and what we know just that's written and recorded for us, I would say that his attitudes and his actions revealed it enough, that it revealed it well. But just in case there was any question of how Jacob felt, the way that he was acting and his attitude towards his father-in-law, his words confirmed where he was, right? And that's sometimes what happens in our lives too, right? Something happens to us, somebody does something to us, we hold on to resentment, bitterness, whatever the case may be. Something, we, we store it up, and, and it begins to affect what first most of the time? Our attitudes. We start thinking a little sideways, a little, little frustrated, a little irritated, a little whatever, whatever, whatever emotion that we go to first, and it starts to affect our attitude. And what naturally comes after that is our actions. Sometimes our words come before our actions, but a lot of times it comes in the form of our actions. What does that mean? That means that sometimes... When our attitude starts getting upset or frustrated or irritated, whatever the case is, whatever emotion we go to, then most of the time we start to act differently towards that person or those people. And if we don't resolve it in a, in, in a right way, the chances are we're going to do exactly what Jacob did. And if there was any question or any doubt, our words will come out and they will be attacking and they will be hurtful and they will be vengeful. And I believe if we get to a right place later, they, they will then be regretful. We'll regret it. Oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Because I didn't know this. Or I was missing this piece of information. Or I jumped to this. Or man, I, I, I act like this and I want people to treat me with this type of grace and mercy. But I don't know that I treated them with that. Here's the interesting part, right? Some people in this room might say, but brother Kyle... It was 20 years. I mean, 20 years. I think I might be a little, you know, little on edge as well. We could look at it the other way. Some people may be looking at it like this. It was just 20 years. How long has God been gracious with me? And so I don't like that theology. Well, that's Bible theology. It says, be merciful as your father is merciful. It says that we are forgive as we are, to, are, are forgiven. It, there, there are principles there that when, when we have a relationship with other people, we are to consider the love, the grace, the mercy that God has shown to us and then show that in sincerity to others. Again, Jacob had forgot all that goodness that God had done to him. Jacob had forgot all of this, and it not only controlled and ruled his attitudes and his actions, but again, it comes out here in his words. The study that we're having is, is entitled Life, and it's about the various components of our lives as people on this earth. And it's about lessons that we can learn from the lives of other people, and specifically the lives of, of the people that God has chosen. Specifically, the life of Joseph, and who we're talking about is his father Jacob at this point in time. But God has chosen these people, and he's chosen to use and express his grace 
all for his glory. It's the same thing in our lives. When we have encounters with each other, when we have encounters with other people, you know what God's wanting to do in our lives as his chosen people? He's wanting to show his grace in our lives and through our lives. And so who are we to ever get to a place where we stand on any type of soapbox and just ream people out and let them have it because they've done us wrong? How much have we done Almighty God wrong? And I get it. I, I, I get it. We get in those places. We get emotional. We, 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 we have those moments. We're all, I think that we're all capable of doing that. But I think that we should learn the lessons that God teaches us along the way. And here we see, was it really necessary for Jacob to ream out his father-in-law in this instance? Again, maybe, maybe the room's divided. Maybe some people say, absolutely. And maybe that's based off of your experience. Maybe your relationship with your father-in-law. Maybe it's a relationship with somebody else in your family. Maybe it's somebody else, a co-worker or somebody that you know, that you've been holding on to something, you've been bitter and resentful, and it's been building in your life, and, and, and you feel vindicated through situations like this that somebody finally told somebody what they needed to do. But I would say this, this is an example of what we shouldn't do because, again, he reams him out with limited information. He doesn't have the whole picture. He doesn't have the whole story. But he thinks he's right in doing this. Again, no doubt in our lives, we're going to, if you haven't already faced, I think most people in this room have faced, but we're going to face people who have wronged us, situations where we've been wrong. And so the question this morning, I think, is this. What should our response be? Should, should we say, well, if they are wrong and I am right, the only way for them to know and for it to get through their thick skull or for them to actually get it is for me to ream them out, is for me to berate them. Another flip side of that, is it right to let people continue on in their error or in their misplaced pursuits? See, again, Laban was in pursuit of something wrong. He was doing wrong. He had done Jacob wrong. He had not been right. And, and, and again, he's hotly pursuing his son-in-law and his daughters and his grandchildren uh, for the wrong motive, right? He's pursuing after them for idols and for leaving wrong. Somebody said, well, maybe he could pursue after them for leaving wrong because he wanted to tell them bye. Yeah, that's what he wanted. <laughs> no. That's what he's going to say he wanted, but we know why he hotly pursued them. But again, I think that we get to places in our lives where we, we feel like it's our place to put people in their place. Well, if I don't, who will? Isn't that an interesting thought? Sometimes we, we think, I've got to do this because if I don't, who is? Who will tell them they're wrong? Who will put them in their place? Who will tell them, you know, that, that, that they're being bad or, you know, all this... Who's going to do it? If I don't do it, we can even get to maybe a self-righteous place and say, I just really care about them. And if I don't tell them, then they're going to continue to be this, and, and so I'm going to do this noble thing in telling them that they're wrong and they're bad. I'm just going to do it in a really ugly way, too. <laughs> so they get the point. So the first point this morning in your notes, and the first thing I want us to know and be reminded of is this. Again, Jacob had the attitude, he had the actions, but the fact that he spoke, the fact that he, he began to berate his father-in-law showed this, 
And it teaches us this, that our words have weight. Our words have weight. We all need to be reminded of that because I think that we can, we can say things just kind of off the, the, the cuff and, and we can say things sometimes without thought. And I'm not saying that, that we're all going to be perfect because, again, we'll see Scripture that it, 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 it's, it's something that no man can tame is that, that tongue. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Isn't that an interesting part? Some people just are, are real flippant with their, with their speech and their words, and they cut people down, and they tear people apart, and they, they ream them out, and they do all that, and even sometimes try to justify by saying, well, James says that the, the tongue is an unruly evil. It's full of deadly poison, and, and no man can tame it. Well, just because the Bible says that it's an unruly evil, and it's full of deadly poison, and, and that no man can tame it, doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to control our tongue. Communication is vital. Our, our words carry so much. Uh, I've been guilty of, uh, of not realizing that in, in my life before, not realizing how, how words can carry weight at times. And the Bible's full of verses about our words and how we use them. Time wouldn't allow us this morning to cover everything about it, but we see in Scripture verses that guide us. They're to guide us. They're to give us this direction and, and, and teach us what we are to say and how we are to actually say it and why we are to say things. Scripture challenges us with these things. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Let your speech, so in other words, the things that come out of your mouth, let it be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer, ought to answer every man. And so this is an interesting part, too, because as I said a while ago, Scripture tells us not only... Uh, it not only tells us how we should say things and what we should say and why we should say them, it gives us the full gamut of everything concerning our words because sometimes we can say the right thing maybe the wrong way. Or we can, in our minds, say the wrong thing and think we're saying it the right way. I was just trying to tell you. Yes. Well, you needed to know this, and I just was trying to inform you of this. Ecclesiastes 5, 2, Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. God. God is in heaven and thou upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. Isn't that interesting? Remember when I was sharing, some of you were here when I talked about how the difference between the amount of words that women say and the amount of words that men say? Right? And, then it, and isn't it interesting that women typically, some men are different, some men talk way more, um, but women have more words, and isn't it interesting that guys, one of their greatest struggles is listening? Isn't that interesting? I don't point fingers. I see people pointing fingers. <laughs> <laughs> James chapter 1 tells us this, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, Slow to speak and slow to wrath. Why? Because the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God. And that's a principle that's so important for us to get this morning, is this. When we think that we are doing what's right by expressing our anger, our wrath, or telling somebody where they're wrong, or, or telling them how the cow eats the cabbage, or whatever the case may be, when we get that and, and we're acting in wrath or anger or, or, or vengeance, the Bible says that's not how God's righteousness gets carried out. Well, they need to know. 
well, not necessarily like that. Well, I've tried to tell them a different way. Well, then be gracious with them like God's been gracious with you. And keep telling them in grace. Keep telling them in love. How did our Lord handle misplaced pursuit of doing him wrong? How, how, did, how did Jesus handle people pursuing him in the wrong motives, in the wrong way? How did Jesus handle that? Remember what he said to Judas, the one who betrayed him, the one that, that went out and, and then came back with the guards in and, and pursuit, uh, pursuit of our Lord? Remember what he said to Judas before Judas went out? Knowing Judas was going in the wrong direction, knowing what Judas's motives were, know, knowing what the soldiers were going to come and, and take him away for. You know what Jesus said to Judas? John 13. What you're going to do, do it quickly. Huh. Wow. Again, he was, he was willing to face the evil done to him because of a love that he had for all mankind. He, he, he had to... He had to go through this for, to pay for our sins, that betrayal, the, 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 mis, uh, the wrong trial, uh, the, the sacrifice, all those things. And, and so he handled this with an amount of grace and mercy that I can't really comprehend. And when the soldiers came, did he pour out wrath upon them? Did, did, he, did he berate those soldiers? No. He asked them. You had, all, you had a fair chance to get me in the day. Why are you coming at night with, with knives and torches? But he didn't berate them. He didn't say, you're a bunch of fools, you're a bunch of sinners. What's wrong with you? Your hearts and your minds are wrong. I mean, he, 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 didn't, he didn't berate them like that. He didn't pour out wrath on them. But God's wrath was poured out on him for the wrongs that were even done to him. Isn't that mind-blowing? He didn't ream anybody for betraying him. He didn't, ream his, he didn't ream out Judas for betraying him. He asked him, you, you're betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? But he didn't ream him out. Again, we have a misguided sense of justice in our heads and our hands, just like Jacob. Jacob's sense of justice that had, was in his hand in that moment was misguided. I don't think it's misguided mostly because as much information as we think we have, and as right as we think we are in circumstances, most likely we're missing something. And I, and I want to challenge us with that this morning. I want to encourage us with that this morning. Maybe before we jump to action, maybe before we jump to a certain attitude, maybe before we jump and, and, and speak in judgment with our words, that we would, we would stop and consider, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm missing a, a, a portion of information that, that, would, that would change the way that I would talk to this person if I knew it. Maybe I'm missing something, a, a portion of information that would change the way I treated this person if I knew it. Maybe I wouldn't be so quick to jump on them and, and, and get aggravated and frustrated with them. Besides that, following our Lord's example and teaching, it looks a little bit different. Matthew chapter 5, Brother Gary Bates on Thursday night at Outreach, he he opened up the Bible and he began to read, the, read these scriptures. And I looked over at, uh, I think, Brother James at hours. I was like, that's crazy because I'm using that Sunday. And it's the same verses that he used on Thursday evening. It says in Matthew chapter 5, 43, You've heard that it's been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, 
Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven because he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends a rain on the just and the unjust. And if you love them that love you, what reward have you? What's different from you if you love people that love you? The publicans do even the same. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so. Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Not only that, with all of this, our words are used to be, or to be used to, to build up and not tear down. And they have power to do both. In James chapter 3, there's a stricter judgment, he says in the first verse, for those who are teachers, for those who speak the word of God, there's a stricter judgment. And he admits that we all have our shortcomings, that we all stumble, we all, that we all offend in many ways. And a major way that we offend is the things that we say. So God, through James, says this in the next verse, a few verses down in verse 8, But the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. There, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Does a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, produce figs? The answers are no. So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. Proverbs 29, verse 11, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it until afterwards. In other words, this is another version. It says it like this. A fool gives full vent to his spirit. But a wise man holds, quietly holds it back. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Verse 20 in Proverbs 29, Seest thou a man that's hasty in his words? Look at this person that's quick to say things, that's quick to spout off, that's quick to tear down. Look at this person that, that, that's quick to just let their feelings out and tear somebody down. Look what it says, there's more hope of a fool than of him. In Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good. Only let words that are good come out of your mouth, those words that are useful to edify other people, that it may minister grace to the hearers. What about those, that, those people that are doing things wrong and they're just getting by with all these wrong and bad things? I would encourage you, I'm not going to read it here, but read Psalms chapter 37 and Psalms chapter uh, 73. It talks about, it says, fret not thyself for evildoers. Don't worry about them because there's a judgment. If they don't repent and turn to God, there's a judgment coming. So, Brother Kyle, this morning, are you telling us that when something is wrong and something is done to us wrong, that we're just supposed to sit silently while evil abounds? That we're, we're just supposed to sit by? I'm not supposed to get out on Facebook and tell the world how, how, how they are wrong and how, how, how this is right. And where I'm not supposed to tell that person, I'm not supposed to do this. Are you telling me that that's what we're supposed to do? I didn't say that either. I didn't say that we're supposed to sit quietly by as evil abounds. What I did say and what I am saying is that we have this notion, much like Jacob, that we have some right to tell people off in a pompous, self-righteous show, making us feel better and making them get put in their place. In our age of technology, this has been increased, I believe. 
because it can be done behind the screen of a computer or a smartphone. And we can tear people down in an anonymous way or in a, in a, in a, 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 a passive-aggressive way. Proverbs 18.20 says this, A man's belly shall not be satisfi- satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, I'm sorry, shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. When our words are right and good, we can benefit. But the truth is also in 21, death and life and the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. As your musicians make their way one way or the other, here's the truth. When we use our words in uplifting or in destructive ways, the scripture says we've got to deal with the consequences. That's what it says, good or bad. We can either use them, but either way, we're going to eat the fruit of our lips. I believe Jacob could have handled this completely different had he truly been walking in fellowship with God. And I think that's most of the time, most of us. I think that, that the Holy Spirit, if we're a child of God, the Holy Spirit inside of us, we're, we're, we're in the Word of God and we're trying to obey the Word of God. Therefore, we're trying to walk in the Spirit of God. The Bible says this, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of your flesh. And so I believe when we're walking in that way, it's in those moments that maybe we feel like we could tell somebody something and tell them off, but for, for some reason, it's not for some reason, it's the reason that God has given us the help, we stop, we hold back. It's not because maybe they need to know they're wrong, but maybe it's just not wise for us to act or to speak in this, in this way. Maybe it's, maybe it's just not, it wouldn't be gracious and it wouldn't be breathing life. It wouldn't be uh, in, uplifting and edifying as the scripture says our words are supposed to be in this moment because we're in a bad place. We're in a bad attitude. And so we say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be angry and sin not. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm upset about this, but I'm not going to act in this emotion. I believe if we act in wisdom and love, all the time, or strove for that, that we would see less spiteful and destructive speech. Again, that should be the case for us as the children of God. I believe this decision to berate Laban in our, in our, in our text, that Jacob decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Laban have it, is another example of Jacob acting foolishly. Our words have weight. We need to be careful that we're not operating in fear that we're not operating in, in, in attitude, that we're not operating from a place of bitterness or resentment. We need to be cautious and careful and, and, and always consider the words that are coming out of our mouths. Not just what we're saying, but also how we're saying it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to consider our attitudes, our actions, but also the weight of our words. This morning, maybe you're like Jacob. Maybe you have a relationship with a family member, and maybe you've already crossed that line. Maybe you, maybe you say, you know what, man, I feel bad this morning because I just had it out with my uncle. Or I just had it out with my dad. I just had it out with my father-in-law. I just had it out with my mother-in-law. I just had it out with my husband. I just, I just let them, I just had it out with my, with my wife. I just tore them down with my words. And I want to encourage you the first thing you should do is ask the Lord to forgive you for using your words in a way that's not glorifying to him. And the second immediate thing I would do is to ask that person for forgiveness, is to humble yourself and go to them and say, I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm sorry. 
and say, yeah, but they were wrong still. Listen, you can, we can have humility and we can, we can express when we're wrong. It doesn't, doesn't mean that they were right still. We can say this, I'm sorry how I spoke to you. I'm sorry the things that I said. I'm sorry the way that I treated you. And you can say this, it still upset me that this happened. I, I, I still was hurt. I still was affected by this. I, it still bothers me that this is the case. Or whatever, whatever the situation, you can still say this, this, this thing you did, this thing you said, this, this, this existing situation or whatever is, is still a problem, but I'm sorry for I, how I spoke to you. And I think that we can do some healing there. That's something that, that Jacob never did. And now he's torn his father-in-law apart. We're going to see how the relationship moves forward, Lord willing, in the next week or two. And it's an interesting situation that a family has to come up with because of where they were here. I want to encourage you, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ this morning, uh, maybe you're here and, and you, you heard me mention that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And I said, God doesn't want you to say a prayer. God doesn't want you to just show up at church. God wants to have a relationship with you. That's why he came to this earth, and that's why he died. He died in your place to pay for your sins. If you've ever lied or stolen or had sinful thoughts or wrong thoughts, you, you've sinned, and those are the things that God came and died for. He died for your sins. But they put him in a grave, and three days later, he rose again because he's life. Jesus said that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you're living your life, you're doing what you want to do. You're living, you're making choices based off of what is right to you. I want to encourage you. God loved you so much to do that. He wants to give you life because the alternative, alternative is death. The Bible calls it a second death. death. It's a place called the lake of fire. It's reserved for Satan, God's enemy, and all his demons. And those who reject the gift of God, which is through Jesus Christ, are on the opposite side. There's only one choice. And it's Jesus. I want to encourage you. You say, I'd like to know more about it. I don't know if I'm sure about giving my life to God. I don't know if I'm sure about making that decision this morning, but I would like to know more about it. Then I want to invite you to come. We'll have a couple ministers. They can talk to you about it after, uh, during the invitation. Or if you say, you know what, I don't want to do it during the invitation, grab one of us that will be in the back after service and say, you know what, you were talking about that? I want to know more about it. Because I definitely don't want to go to hell. I definitely don't want to go to a lake of fire. And if I could go to heaven, how, how can I do that? I would ask you to come. But as Christians, let's make sure that we're mindful of how we're using our words. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for the opportunity we have to be here. Lord, uh, thank you for this reminder, this encouragement this morning, this lesson that, that we had that, that showed us that our words have weight. God, they, they, they leave our lips and when they do, that's when they take effect. And so I pray that we would be mindful, that we would keep our hearts in check, that we keep our minds in check, that, that our attitudes wouldn't get in the wrong place, that our actions wouldn't be in the wrong place, and also our words wouldn't, wouldn't go out wrong. Lord, help us be mindful this morning. Help us be wise with our words. And I pray that you just bless now in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.